This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Good morning, Calvary Chapel, Paradise Calvary Chapel. Good morning. It's all yours. I always have to remember to look at the time. Uh, I always forget. And they told me I only have like three or four hours to say everything I need to say. I want to make sure I don't go over. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I've known Tim and Grace for a long time. My wife and I, we've known Tim and Grace for a long time. Uh, we met them when he was in Bible college. And uh, I have a picture of Tim. This is, this is the way w- we remember Tim. In fact, uh, you know, I was excited about coming and meeting with Tim and Grace and seeing what they look like now because I see him on Facebook. I don't believe it's him, uh, but this Pastor Tim. And then you can see Grace there. This was a graduation day at the Bible college in Hungary. You guys see Grace right there on the right side there? What a sweet couple. Uh, you know, back in these days, Tim was just like all Google eyes over Grace. It was kind of neat. He'd come and talk and, oh, what do I do? And kind of business. I mean, in love. Amazing. First time I heard Tim teach, uh, I said, man, that guy is anointed of God. What a great pastor you guys have. It's such, he's such a, a blessing. But um, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here. To share with you today, my name is Gary Barrow, like, I, like uh, Charles said, and I'm a missionary with Saving Grace World Missions. SGWM is kind of the missions department of Calvary Chapel Saving Grace in Yorba Linda. Calvary Chapel Saving Grace is a small church about the size of your church. And we have a, a big heart for missions as, as you guys do. Our, our desire is to, see, to equip people to be passionate servants of Jesus Christ. And our desire is to to see people raised up that will go and reach out to the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see the word taught, to see people ministered to, and to see lives changed. That's our heart. Last year, we're a small church, like I said, just like you guys. Last year, we had $3 million go through our church out into missions. And, you know, I mean, God is doing a, a great work. We're super excited about it. And um, because we're recording the, uh, the service today, I can't tell you exactly the places that we're at because persecution of Christians is real in the world. Christians are dying in the world. Uh, you may be aware of this um, statistics. From 1900 to 2000, more Christians were killed for their faith than all the previous years combined. You know, persecution of the church is, is great. One of the countries we work in, uh, the prime minister has vowed to eradicate Christianity by the year 2020. That's next year. And he was just reelected as prime minister of that country. And there, when he was a governor of one of the states of that country, he engaged in genocide, just killed Christians. And the last time I was there, I mean, you could see uh, squads of people just, they're roaming around. And uh, they're kill squads, you know, just plain and simple. They go and they burn Christians' homes, burn everything that they own, and uh, kill them. So I'm not going to say where we're at for that reason. We have some information out on the information table that you can grab hold that indicates some of the areas that we're at. But that's the first reason, just protect the people there, protect the workers. But the second reason is so we can protect our ability to to reenter the country. Uh, If we're flagged for any reason, we can have that ability revoked. And so I just ask you, um, you know, if for some reason you want to post something on social media today about our time together, I just ask you to be really careful about what you say. And uh, um, yeah, there you go. If um, today what I'd like to share with you, though, is, is three things. One, our ministry, what we're doing. And then secondly, I'd like to share with you God's heart for missions. And then thirdly, I'd like to... Uh, invite you to get involved reaching the unreached people of the world. Our ministry is really threefold. Uh, The first part of our ministry is 
Calvary Chapel, Saving Grace, Saving Grace World Missions. We've established uh, three Bible colleges in South Asia. I oversee two of them. Um, I teach a class every semester. And what I do is I arrange Calvary I organize Calvary Chapel pastors to teach via Skype. Uh, they teach in the evening. It's the morning time where we're teaching. We have classes. They teach through a book of the Bible each semester. And then we have local national pastors on the ground there teaching in the afternoon. Um, it's a, a really neat thing that, that God has opened the door for us. We're an extension campus of Calvary Chapel Bible College Marietta in Marietta, California. And uh, the main difference between our Bible college and others is that it's free for the students to come to. We provide for the students, we provide room and board for them and uh, everything that they need. And what we do is then we just pour into them. And the intent is after the two-year program is to send them out and they're going out into areas that people have never, literally never heard the name of Jesus before. Last time we were there in the country, uh, one of the missionaries, one of the pastors that graduated our program, he was telling us how he went into a remote village and he asked him, he said, uh, do you know who Jesus is? And the response came back, he doesn't live in this village. He must live in the next village. And that's the reality of it. Our ministry is to the unreached people of the world. And we're currently, right now, currently in, in, uh, engaged in organizing a new Bible college in the Middle East. I'm talking to pastors, organizing pastors here to teach. We're talking to uh, guys that we know that are on the ground there. And hopefully this semester, which is going to be starting in July, hopefully we'll have a, a new Bible college in the Middle East where we're raising up Muslim background believers to go into the Muslim world and tell people that need to hear about Christ, desperately tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Super excited about that. The second part of our ministry is we take pastors um, your pastor has a great heart for missions. I mean, he's on fire for missions. I love him. Uh, he's a great example for other pastors. But there's plenty of pastors in the United States that have never been on a, on a mission trip, short term or otherwise. I mean, when we first, when Tina and I first went on uh, the mission field, our missions pastor, he'd never been on a mission trip. He was just, you know, guy that felt a call, I'll be a missions pastor, whatever. And, and you know, so we want to expose pastors. We want to take them abroad, give them a global missionary, a global missions experience where we take them to teach pastors conferences, to take them to the Bible college, to teach uh, block classes. And uh, it's really a, a great opportunity to them. We want to have them teach pastors conferences to pastors that are on the ground that are really working in difficult areas of the world. Like I said, taking their life into their own hands very much. The last pastors conference that we had, um, we had about 80 pastors attend and some of them traveled for days to be there at that pastors conference. And boy, I'd like to, I'd like to tell you the blessing it is for these pastors to come to have a group of pastors from the West to come and just pour into them so that they can sit and be fed and be ministered to and to be encouraged is such a, a great blessing. And so our goal is to take stateside pastors abroad, give them that global missions experience that will change their lives and that will help them develop a passion for world missions to, and to see them incorporate the vision of missions into their church and in a greater way reaching um, the unreached people of the world. The third part of our ministry is we want to assist smaller churches. We come alongside smaller churches like Calvary uh, Chapel Paradise, other churches also, and we want to help them develop a missions program of their own. And we do that by two different ways. One, like I said, we take pastors abroad and while they're out there teaching pastors conferences, teaching block classes in the uh, Bible college, um, <clears throat> while they're there, we're hoping that they're going to interact with the students, then maybe find one or two that they connect with and adopt them as their missionary. As little as $300 a month is all it takes to fully fund a missionary and uh, to send them out to take the gospel to places that as Westerners, we could never go. 
And uh, we, we want to see the churches just adopt these missionaries. Uh, the church then, they're their missionaries. The church then can pour into them as much as they want, can encourage them, can disciple them, communicate back and forth with them. We develop, we help the missionaries develop web pages and blogs that are just really nice so they send out emails and the church can converse with them back and forth and get news about what God's doing in uh, different parts of the country. The church can can then also send teams, just like Pastor Tim's out in Croatia, uh, ministering to the missionaries there and refreshing them. I mean, the church can send teams to, to go and, and refresh these missionaries. And then what we also do is then we also can provide accountability that those missionaries on the ground, we provide pastoral oversight so that we can ensure that they're doing the work of the ministry, that they're not just taking $300 and and running with it and doing nothing, but that they're actually doing the work of the ministry. One of the main reason churches today, they don't have a strong missions program or a missions program at all is because they just don't know what to do or how to get it started. And so at Calvary Chapel, Saving Grace, Saving Grace World Missions, we want to come alongside these churches. We want to partner with them. We have the infrastructure We'll take care of all the donor contributions, the payroll, the taxes, and just the church is just free then to just pour into their missionaries. The second way we help um, churches develop a strong mission program of their own is we've, we have a school of missions where the, the school of missions is actually started. It came from a vision that our pastor's wife had, and it was of a girl she was in the church and she was sitting by herself with her Bible open and she felt a call for missions, but she didn't know what to do or who to turn to for information. And specifically, she was lacking um, permission and purpose. And the vision went on to be, uh, we were catching fireflies in mason jars and taking them to dark places and releasing them. And so because of that vision, we felt the Lord was prompting us to start the school of missions, where what we do is we take young adults that feel called to missions, six weeks abroad. We have bases all over the world now. We, we have a class that's leaving July 8th. They're going down to Mexico for six weeks. And they're, they're going to be trained in the do's and don'ts of missions uh, under the watchful eye of seasoned Calvary Chapel missionaries and, and pastors. There's a, there's a great learning curve uh, when you're a missionary, when you go out to the field for the first time. I told a, a story, it always cracks me up when I think about it, when when um, Tina and I first went to the mission field, you know, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. You can't read anything or say anything. And so we were in a grocery store. Tell you the truth, um, they're starting to do them now in America. I mean, you guys have Aldi's here, right? Aldi's in Las Vegas. Aldi's is, is a German store, but you put a quarter into the, to get a cart. I remember the first time we went to the grocery store, I had to put money in to get a cart. Are you, I'm not buying a cart. That's not the way you do it. I didn't know you got your money back or anything like that. I kind of made a scene, you know, I mean, you just don't know. And I was in the grocery store and again, you can't read anything. And I looking for something to eat and I saw something with a strawberry cheesecake on it. I'm like, that's mine. That's mine. I took it outside the store and I opened it up. I took a big bite of it and I think it was lard. You know, I had no idea what it was, but I couldn't get it out of my mouth fast enough. It was terrible. And so, you know, there's a learning curve when you're a missionary. So we want to take people abroad. We want to help them, like I say, learn the do's and don'ts of foreign missions. We want to uh, teach them about cultural immersion, cultural sensitivity. We want to give them a cross-cultural ministry experience. We want to help them to learn about church planting, um, God's heart for the nations, the current state of the unreached in the world. And then we help them learn how to plan outreaches and then uh do outreach. That's what, they, that's what they're going to do. I've seen so many missionaries through the years go out to the field, and it's a real tragedy. They go out to the field, they're ill-prepared for the spiritual warfare, for the attack that comes upon them. You know, the enemy's not happy when you decide to go to a foreign country and tell them about Jesus Christ. He's not like, whoo-hoo, way to go. You know, he's, he's angry about it, and he takes it out on you. I've seen so many missionaries come back ill because they went out ill-prepared. They come back and then they flounder in their faith. And it's a real tragedy. And it's a tragedy that can be 
avoided. And so that's what we're seeking to do with the School of Missions. Like I said, we have bases all over the world and uh, it's really exciting what's going on. I have a, a little video to show you. This is our last mission trip to South Asia too. So a little bit about what we do. So that first picture that I said, remember this picture, the older gentleman, he's looking through the windows. We're having a Bible study in there. And uh, I don't understand a word he's saying, but I know he's talking to somebody saying, get out of there. Don't listen to what these guys have to say. Get out of there. And then that second picture of, of one of the girls from our team standing with the, the lady, I think she was wearing yellow. Um, she got saved. It was her husband that was telling her, get out of there. She gave her heart to Christ. Really crazy. There's another picture in there, older, older woman. She had, was holding up the notebook paper. Did you see her? She translated all of Pastor Chuck Smith's book by hand. That was a translation, all of her books into their language so they could share that. I mean, they're hungry for the gospel there. Um, I want to share with you what I, I see as God's hearts for missions this morning. And then I want to invite you to get involved. I want you to know I'm a missionary, right? I have a heart for missions. I have a heart to see people saved. I've been saved and I've been rescued from the bondage of sin. I've been forgiven. I've been justified, declared justified as if I've never sinned. And my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm on my way to heaven. But in the meantime, I want to use my life to bring glory to my Savior. And I want to use the life that he's given me, the new life that I have, to bring glory to his name. And there is what I believe a dangerous trend that's creeping into the church today. And maybe you've noticed it also. It's the promotion of comfort and self-care. And this trend is directly opposed to the call of Jesus to, to self-denial, to death of self. And brothers and sisters, let us not be deceived into thinking uh, the message of, of self-importance and of comfort and a me-centered gospel that's being taught all around us in the States today. Uh, let us not be deceived to think that this is compatible with discipleship to Christ. It's not. Our greatest self-care is to be found in continued brokenness at the feet of Jesus and pouring out our lives in his service. And as a church, as a bride of Christ, we should be willing to be broken over the condition of those who don't know our Savior. We, we should share his heart for lost souls, not indulging ourselves in the me-first attitude of the world and the luxuries that the world has to offer. The early church was willing to be killed for the sake of the gospel. Right? Some were stoned, some were beaten, some were burned at the stake, some were skinned alive, some were mauled and eaten by wild animals. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, find uh, Fox's books of Book of Martyrs and open it up and read about it. You know, the attitude of the church today doesn't seem to share the priority of the church uh, when it first was born. Right? The church today has grown comfortable. And we often allow uh, comfort to dictate our actions and decisions as Christians. Some would say that the purpose of the church is to offer worship to God and to bring glory to his name. And of course, I would never argue that. But this is what I, I think. I think that worshiping the Lord and bringing glory to his name, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Missions is at the very heart of the Father. The most famous Bible verse, all of us know it, all of us can quote it, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew 9, 37, 38 says, then he, Jesus, says to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. God's heart is missional. His heart is for the lost. He desires to see them saved. 
I would argue that the purpose of the church is to spread the gospel, to be engaged in God's plan of expanding his kingdom, to share uh, Jesus Christ with the lost. God has forgiven us. He's saved us. And he invites us to be part of the work that he wants to accomplish in, his, in the world where he, he wants us to share God's love with people who've never heard it. I have this frightening picture in my mind that motivates me. And I've had it there for a long time. And it's, it's always the same thing. I'm walking into heaven. And as I'm walking into heaven to receive my reward, I'm walking past the, just a sea of people who are going the other way that are going to be eternally separated from God. And as I'm walking, uh, I turn and I look and, I, and my eyes fix on the eyes of one of these condemned souls. And he says to me, you knew and you didn't say anything. You knew what was at stake and you didn't care enough to say anything. And, and that vision haunts me and it, and it causes me to do what I do. Paul said in Romans 1, 14 through 16, we have a verse, says, I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. Paul tells us that he viewed preaching the gospel as a debt to the world. That's what he means when he says, I'm a debtor. He's saying, I owe this to Greeks and barbarians, to wise and to unwise. And that's Paul's way of saying, I owe this to everyone in the world. And like Paul, if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've encountered the risen Savior. You've, you've by God's grace, you've been saved. And you've been born again. Your heart is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And I pray that we would share Paul's heart as a result of that encounter that, that we've experienced. I would pray that each of us would view the gospel as something that we could not hold on to just for ourselves. God forbid we hoard the gospel. God forbid we take that light that has shown in our hearts, that has changed our lives, that has changed our destiny, and we just put it under a basket. I pray that each one of us would view the gift that we've received in Jesus Christ as something that we must share with the world. This is the very purpose God has intended for the church. It's evangelization of the world. Sinners being saved brings the most amount of glory and worship to our God. And to this end, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Paul goes on in verse uh, 20, he says, Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. I believe God has called us to preach the, the gospel, to have a heart for those who are lost. D.L. Moody, one of the greatest American evangelists ever, he purposed in his heart that he would um, not let a day go by where he didn't share Christ with at least one individual. So one night as it was approaching midnight, he realized because of the busyness of the day that he had for, he, he just spaced it, right? He just forgot. And he, as he realized that, he, he got up and he ran out into the streets of Chicago and he found a man and he asked him, he said, Sir, are you ready for heaven? And the man's reply to him was, Mind your own business. And to that, Dale Moody replied, that is my business. Sharing the gospel with the unsaved, with the lost, that is our business. The church exists for the purpose of speaking the good news, for sharing with those who have not yet heard of uh, that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father, that our sins, though they be many, can be forgiven, 
can be forgotten through faith in Jesus and his substitutionary atonement on the cross. God could have given this responsibility of preaching the gospel to angels. And maybe you might argue that they would do a better job at it than, than we can. And I would agree with you. But the reality is God has entrusted this responsibility to us. He's given it to us. And what a wonderful gift it is that he's given to us to lead people to Christ. Much of the world today has never heard of Jesus. As of November 2018, it's estimated that there's 7.7 billion people in the world today. And it's estimated that 42% of the world has never heard the name of Jesus, much less the good news of salvation. 42% of the world has never heard of Jesus. Think about it for a second. And if you do the math with me, this is what we, what we walk away with. 42% of 7.7 billion people. That's 3,234,000,000 people. 3,234,000,000 people have never heard of Jesus. 3,234,000,000 people that are dead in their trespasses and sins. 3,234,000,000 people who have no hope of ever going to heaven when they die. I want to ask you to do something for me real quick, please. If you'd indulge me, go ahead and place your hand on your heart. Maybe find your pulse. I want you to feel your heartbeat. You feel it? Think about it for a minute here. With every beat of your heart, a person in the world has died without hearing the name of Jesus and has entered into eternity, separated from God forever. With every beat of your heart, someone stepped into eternity, separated from God. In other words, they've gone to hell. And it breaks the Father's heart. Ezekiel 33, 11, God the Father says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die? And that's the Father's heart right there. I recently heard a pastor who on one Sunday, he shared a statistic with his church from the pulpit. He said, during the hour that it takes to deliver this sermon, approximately 2,500 people will die and go to hell. And then he continued on to say, he said, the sad fact about it is this. The vast majority of you here today don't give a damn. And he continued to say, in fact, you're more shocked and offended that I use the word damn than you are about people entering into eternity without Christ. And regrettably and honestly, I think that that's the state of the church as a whole today. Wouldn't you agree with me? I'm reminded of a story of Hudson Taylor. He was a great pioneering missionary to the interior of China in the mid-1800s. And the story goes that he shared Christ with a Buddhist and won the Buddhist to, to the Lord. And the Buddhist began sharing about the peace that he had found in Jesus Christ. He went about teaching and speaking to everyone that would listen to him about the salvation and forgiveness of sins that was offered just by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And he was enthusiastic about the gospel. Shortly after his conversion, he had asked Hudson Taylor how long the gospel had been known in England. And when he was told that it had been known for hundreds of years, the man was shocked. He said, what? He said, what? For hundreds of years, you've known these glad tidings and only now have come to preach to us? He said, my father sought the truth for more than 20 years and died without finding it. Oh, why did you wait to come? Why did you not come sooner? And when he asked that question, why did you not come sooner? That man's question burned in the heart of Hudson Taylor. And he thought about the millions of Chinese people that were dying without the gospel. And I, and I just honestly, I pray that that question would burn in our hearts today. We are all called to preach the gospel 
to a lost and dying world. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 28. I, I, I'm certain that none of these verses are, are unfamiliar to you. You know Matthew chapter 28, the last couple of verses of, of Matthew's gospel. Matthew 28, verse 18 and, and 19, actually through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The parallel verse to this is found in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. It reads, And he, Jesus, said to them, the disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. This is what we refer to as the Great Commission. Notice with me, first of all, it's a command. We're to go and we're to preach. We're not to wait for the world to come to Christ. We're to go into the world and preach Christ. Jesus intends for us as believers in him to be actively carrying the gospel to people who have not yet received it. We're not to, we're, we are to make disciples of the nations. We're to baptize them and to teach them, right? And notice with me, what's at stake? What's at stake here is eternity, condemnation and salvation. Souls are hanging in the balance, right? Too many Christians today view this section of, of Scripture, which we call the Great Commission, they view it, and they wouldn't say it like this, but too many Christians today view it this way, as the great suggestion, right? It's not a command to be obeyed. It's just kind of a, a neat thing for us to be about when we have a chance. And the reality is much of the church today, because they don't re, uh, see it as a command, it becomes in their lives really more the great omission, right? The great commission is a call from above where our Lord and our Master, our Savior, has called us to share the good news of the gospel with the lost. Did you know, in regards to missions, there are three calls recorded in the Bible? The first one is here. It's the Great Commission. We mentioned it. It's the call from above. But there's another call, and it's the call from below. And that's found, you remember the story, Luke chapter 16, the rich man and Lazarus, remember the story? Uh, they both die. They're ushered into uh, their eternity. The rich man, he goes into Hades where he's tormented. And remember, the rich man, he sees Lazarus and Abraham afar off. And the rich man, he begs Abraham to let Lazarus come and dip his finger in the water and put it on his tongue to, to ease, to cool his tongue, to ease the torment that he's enduring in the flames, right? Some translations there read, uh, translate it this way, that he was in anguish, that he was in agony, that he was suffering in the flames. And remember Abraham, his response, basically he tells a rich man, um, you're reaping what, what you uh, sowed in your life. And then very interestingly, the rich man says this, Luke chapter 16, verse 27, 28. Uh, he says this, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him, and he's talking about Lazarus. He says that you would send him to my father's house for, and the word there for, that's a reason word. He says that you would send him to my house because for I have five brothers that he may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. The call from below is from poor souls that are suffering in the flames of hell, right? They're, they are there pleading that somebody would go, that somebody would be sent to their loved ones, to their mothers, to their fathers, to their brothers and sisters, to their, to their best friends, their children, that somebody would go and preach to them so that they would not end up in the place of torment when they step into eternity. There are people in hell, and to me this is a sobering thought, there are people in hell 
right now, this very moment, that are wishing, they're hoping, they're praying that somebody would go to their loved ones, to their family, friends, and they would share the message of the cross with them because it's the only hope of salvation. So not only is there a call from above and there's a call from below, but uh, there's also a call from afar. Remember Acts chapter 16, Paul on his first missionary journey, he gets to a place where he's wondering where to go. He wants to go into Asia, but the Holy Spirit forbade him from going to Asia. So he thinks, I'll go to Mysia and Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit didn't permit him to go. So they go down to Troas and Acts chapter 16, verse 9 says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. In the vision, the Macedonian man pleaded with Paul. In other translations, the Greek word is translated as begged him, appealed to him, was urging him, calling upon him. And it says that they, they hear this uh, call from afar, and the call was, please, please, please come. And then in verse 10, Acts chapter 16, verse 10, now after we had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they went, they preached the gospel, and the word spread from there across Europe. And it's just an amazing thing that God did. And the reality is this, these three calls, the call from above, the call from below, the call from afar, those are calls that are still being sent out today. The call from above, that's the marching orders of, for Christ's followers to take the gospel, to go into, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the call from below, from those who are being tormented, earnestly desiring someone would be sent to carry the gospel to their loved ones so that they wouldn't wind up in hell. And then the call from afar, from those who've never heard the good news of salvation in the name of Christ, desperately desiring to hear that begging us, pleading with us to come, come over and help us. If you think about it, I spent some time thinking about this. If you think about it, the theology of the Old Testament was pretty much come and see. They built a temple there in Jerusalem and people were welcomed and invited to come and see the temple which was built to house the glory of the Lord. And Solomon, he even praised 1 Kings Chapter 8, verse 41 through 43, you can read it later. Solomon, he even prays and asks God, when, when people come to Jerusalem, when people offer prayers to you, would you reveal yourself to them and change their lives? That's the, the, the theology of the Old Testament. Come and see. But the very clear theology of the New Testament is go and tell. We are to go into all the world and share with those who have never heard the good news. God's heart is to see the world saved. He has entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation. He's entrusted us with preaching the gospel. And again, what an amazing gift it is that he's given us, right? We're to go and to seek out the last. We're to go and to seek out the least. We're to go and to seek out the lost. And to let them know there's only one way to the Father. To let them know that there's only one name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, there's an empty tomb right now in Jerusalem. There's a risen Savior who's offering salvation to whoever will call upon his name. And there's a God in heaven that's willing to forgive the sins of the world. And if we don't tell the world this good news, I ask you, who will? Who's going to take that message to the world? Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus said, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Basically, what Jesus is saying in this verse is put yourself in the other guy's shoes. If the tables were turned, how would you want somebody to treat you? And I ask you today, if you, knowing what you know today, were unsaved, 
dead in your trespasses and sins, headed for hell, eternal separation from God the Father, would you want somebody to share Christ with you? I'm so thankful for the people that shared Christ with me. Actually, my wife, you know what? She, she, hadn't, uh, she hadn't shared Christ. She, we were in high school and she hadn't shared Christ with anybody for a long time. She said, you know, I'm going to pray for somebody to see God change their life. Who's the biggest loser I can think of? Gary Barrow. And she prayed with me or prayed for me for a year. And, and then she told me the gospel, her and her mom, just, Gary, God just wants you to let him love you. You know, as Charles was talking about Vacation Bible School, boy, I echo what he was saying. Vacation Bible School was a foundation. The Nelsons every year invited me to Vacation Bible School so that when Tina shared the gospel with me, man, it was just like hit home. And I said, Lord, that's what I want in my life. Man, I would beg people today to share Christ with me if I was, was unsaved. And the reality is, guys, the world is begging us. It's such a privilege to tell people about the love of Christ. It's such a blessing to pray with somebody to receive forgiveness for their sins and afterwards to turn to them and look them in the eye and tell them, boy, if, if you are sincere in your heart, Christ has forgiven you of your sins. He's washed them all away and you're a new creation in his eyes. Righteous. Man, what a blessing that is that God uh, has given us. And God wants to give us his heart for the world. He wants us to reach out to the lost. Now, just to bring a little balance, okay? I know that we're all not called to be missionaries. You know, you may not be called to a foreign field. That's my passion. That's my calling. When we were in Germany, I uh, was interviewing for a job. I wanted to supplement our income. And I don't know about you, but I don't like interviews. I'm actually quite shy. I don't like meeting people in church. That whole thing about greet somebody you don't know, that's the hardest thing for me next to getting up here, you know? But he says, oh, what are your professional goals? Have you ever been asked that question in an interview? What are your professional goals? You know what? I just looked at him, I laughed. My professional goal is to die on the mission field sharing Christ with somebody that doesn't know him. I didn't get the job. I didn't. <laughs> But that's my calling. That may not be your calling. I understand that. But we all are called to have the same passion for missions. We're all called to care. You know what the greatest enemy of foreign missions is today? The greatest enemy of foreign missions are Christians and Christian parents who talk those people that have a call of God on their life to to live a life of sacrifice, they talk them out of it. And they say things with all good intentions. They say things like, why international missions? There are plenty of people right here that don't know Jesus, and it's true. I, tell you, I haven't spent much time in Las Vegas. Um, I think this is the first night I've spent in Las Vegas since I was like maybe five years old. I used to have an aunt and uncle that lived here. But um, Tina and I, we were... Last night we went out and got dinner and we were someplace. I don't know if it was a good part of town or a bad part of town. I have no idea. But I tell you what, there are broken people here. They need to hear about Jesus Christ. It's true. There are plenty of people here that don't know the Lord. And listen, I, I believe and I trust you guys are sharing Christ with those people around you, that you are being a light to the people that you're working with. And I commend you for that. But the issue is this, it's not an either or thing. It's not foreign missions versus missions at home. God has a heart for the world and he wants to give us a heart for the world. He wants to use each one of us here and abroad. But the sad thing and the reality is this, people here have heard the gospel. I mean, think about it for a second, how many churches there are just in this city alone. Think about how many Bibles you own. I mean, the, the, the accessibility to Bibles is crazy in this country. I mean, I own probably 25 Bibles I don't even know. I have Bibles I've never even opened. I mean, there's commentaries, there's podcasts. I mean, you don't even have to go to church in this country. You can just tune in online and watch it from, you know, the comfort of your front room in your jammies, right? But the reality is this. 
This nation has a Christian heritage. Most people have heard the gospel at least seven times before they give their heart to Christ. And the reality is there's 3 billion 234 million people in the world that haven't heard the gospel once. And they're all dying and going to hell. The truth is this. The more people within the church that get involved in international missions, going with Pastor Tim to Croatia, going, you know, uh, I don't even know where else you guys go. Do you guys go visit uh, Argyle, right? Down in the Ethiopia, Argyle. I was going to bring a picture of Argyle. Uh, but he hasn't changed. You're just like, yeah, that's our gal, right? But the reality is the more you guys get involved in short-term missions with Pastor Tim, the more your heart is going to be set on fire to come back and share Christ. I mean, that's the reality of, of Christianity. I've seen it over and over and over again that people that get involved in foreign missions come back more on fire. Missions as much as an outreach as it is an inreach, right? So... I want to invite you to get involved. There are three ways that each one of us can get involved. We can pray, we can go, and we can send. You can pray. You know, I heard a, a missionary from Albania came to our church years ago, and what she said was this. She said, I used to think that prayer was a big part of missions and ministry, and then I realized that prayer is the ministry. And I found that to be true. You can pray for Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim, he's got a great heart for missions. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love that guy. But the heart that he has is nothing compared to God's heart. You can pray that God would pour that fire into his heart and just ignite him in even a greater brilliance to burn for Christ. You know, uh, God wants to use us to reach that, that unreached world. And you can pray. You can pray for missionaries on the ground that are literally risking their lives. You can pray for people as they go out and, and into dangerous situation. I think of a time where, I mean, thank God in our country, it's against the law to, to assault somebody for sharing Christ. But I tell you what, it's not that way in every country. You know, every, some countries, it's commended to kill Christians. Like I said, I, I've seen kill squads. You know, you can pray. You can pray for us. You can pray for SGWM, SGWM as we go out in, in the work that we're engaged in. I, I would invite you to pray for us, that God would open doors for us and empower us by His Spirit, that He would protect us as we travel and that He would give us divine appointments. And I invite you guys to pray for provision for the ministry that we're engaged in. Now, I'm always conscious when I start talking about money because I know some people are like, okay, here it comes. You know, pass the plate. No, it's just a reality. You know, missions cost money. It costs money to have uh, Bible colleges. It costs money to, to do pastor's conferences. It's just the way it is to provide for students. It all costs money. And we're asking God to supply for our financial needs for the ministry that we're involved in. And I just encourage you, as you guys pray for the financial needs of your church, Include us in those prayers too. We can do more after we pray, but we can't do more until we pray. The second thing you can, you can pray, the second way you can get involved is you can go. Pray about taking a trip with Pastor Tim. I encourage you. You know, when he's not taking a trip, pray about taking a trip with me. Boy, I'd love to take you to, uh, to South Asia, to the Middle East. Pray and release your pastor to take a trip with me. Boy, how I would like to unleash Pastor Tim Warholic on a group of people who have never heard the gospel in the Middle East, huh? That would be amazing. I would love to see him just go out there and just be God's bulldog, just let him go preach the gospel. I mean, that would be awesome. I've seen it before. He's gifted. He is so gifted. But you know what? Here's the thing. Pray about going, right? Don't think it's strange. And maybe, you know, God is stirring your heart right now for missions. You know what? Don't limit God, I beg you. Please don't limit God. If you're feeling that stirring in your spirit, pray about it and ask God to open doors for you. He did that for Tina and I. We prayed for six years. I knew God was calling us to the mission field, but we prayed for six years before God actually opened that door for us to go.
Again, I pray that you would, you would release your pastor to go with us. Boy, I'd love to have him go teach a, a pastor's conference or a block class. That would be amazing. You can pray, you can go, but you can also send. For those of us that can't go, you know what? We can serve as senders, right? Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 15. Paul writes, he says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Romans 12, verse 6 through 8. Uh, Paul lays out the differing gifts that the Lord has given to the body. And he says this, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. God has given some people the gift of serving as senders. And Paul's exhortation to those people with that gift is to, to do it with liberality. Jesus encourages us uh, with these words. He said in, in Matthew 6, 20 and 21, he says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or, and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I invite you, please, please get involved. You know what? Pray. Pray for your church. Pray for missionaries. Pray for us. Go. Go with your church. Go with us. I invite you. We have information on the uh, tables back here, the information table. Boy, pick up a pamphlet. Find out about what's going on. Pray for us. Pray about the uh, School of Missions about being part of that. Pray about going. And for those of you that can't go, pray about sending. Find somebody in your church and send them. You know, what a great gift it is. Pray for the ministry. Pray for our ministry. I encourage you, please, I encourage you to engage in spiritual battle on our behalf. And for those that, the, that feel like the Lord is maybe calling you to missions, let's go. Let's go together and let's see what the Lord would do, what doors he would open for us. And again, not of all of us are in a position to go. And if that's the case, for those that can't go but can send, send somebody. Be part of the work. Let's team up together to reach the lost. Let's go for it together. Just like Paul said to the church in Corinth, as I'm with you in spirit, you can go with us in spirit and be there. And together we'll receive rewards when when the Lord meets us at heaven and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. My prayer is that the Lord would challenge each of us and that each of us would catch a bigger vision today. And my goal today is to stir your hearts for missions. I know your pastor has a great heart for mission and he's kind of, uh, he's imparted that vision for you. But boy, there's so much more our hearts can just well up and, and just grow in. And I want to stir your heart for missions to encourage you to be open uh, to what God wants to do in you and through you. And it, you know what? It's bigger than what you ever thought would be possible, right? He desires all men to be saved. Paul writes 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. Paul says, For a great and effective door has opened uh, to me, and there are many adversaries. The adversary there, he's, he's talking about the enemy, the devil. And his work is to hinder, his desire is to hinder us in God's work. So what does he do? He places obstacles in our way. But listen carefully, please. The obstacles are never a closed door. The obstacles are something else. Obstacles like fear or apathy or doubt. Like, well, you know what? God couldn't use me. I wouldn't know what to do. I'm not gifted like that. Well, I, I wouldn't know what to say. Hey, we need to press through those obstacles. We need to jump over those obstacles that are laid before us. And we need to go around them. Sometimes we just need to remove those obstacles from our life. 
But what we must never do, what we must never do is to give in to those obstacles. God isn't looking for super saints. He's looking for surrendered saints. God isn't looking for uh, people with great ability. You've heard it. He's looking for people with availability, right? God is willing to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He's willing to take the unqualified to accomplish the unexpected, right? Again, God is going to do what God is going to do. But don't you just long to be part of what God wants to do in the world? And he invites us to join us, join him in his work. One of my favorite Bible verses, 2 Corinthians 16, 9. Again, you, you guys know this. You could probably quote this Bible verse with me. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. And the reason why I love that verse is because what it doesn't say. What it doesn't say is, is that he's looking for a young man or a young woman. He's looking for an educated, qualified, gifted, eloquent person. If that's what God is looking for, then I'm disqualified. You know what? He says that he's looking for somebody with a loyal heart towards him so that he can do great things, so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. I've learned God wants to use us in mighty ways. He wants to use you in ways you've never thought possible. He wants to use you more than you want to be used. Jesus wants to use us in places we've, we've never been and amongst people we've never known. He wants to give us a burning heart for people that he loves, people that Christ died for, that they might be saved. And believe me, God wants to use each and every one of us to impact a dark and dying world. And I promise you, it may sound crazy, I know. I mean, who, who am I? What? I mean, I'm a nobody. Believe me, I am a nobody. I'm such a nobody. You don't even know how what a nobody I am. You know what? If you're willing to live your life radically, God is willing to do radical things in and through you. That's a promise. But he'll only take you as far as you're, you're going to allow him to go. Don't you just long to see God do amazing things? Don't you just long to see firsthand the miracles that we read about in the New Testament, the healings, you know, the, the crazy miracles, people being raised from their deathbed. You know what? Those are things that are happening on the mission field. Honestly, the world and all of our possessions are going to burn. It's all going to be taken away. The Lord's going to come for his church, I believe, very soon. But souls are eternal. 3,234,000,000 souls are hanging in the balances. And the question is, how are we going to respond to that? If we don't go, who will go? Each one of us, we're able to do more than we ever thought possible. You can pray, you can go, you can send. Now, we're just at the end of our time. I don't even know why I bother looking at the clock at the beginning because I can't remember, you know, what time it was when I started. So forgive me if I've gone long. But I just want to switch gears for a minute. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. You just came in because maybe the air conditioning's on and it's cool. You need to come to him today. You know, God loves you so, so much. And the Bible tells us that it's our sins that separates us from him. And God demonstrated his love for each one of us by sending his son to take our penalty. Uh, we're going to be uh, celebrating communion here. And, you know, the Bible talks about if you're not a believer that you shouldn't engage in communion because you're drinking and eating uh, condemnation upon yourself. So that if you're not a believer, you should avoid it. But the better thing is instead of avoiding it is ask Christ to come into your heart. You know, life is never going to make sense. You know, you'll never find satisfaction until you enter into that thing that you were created for. And you were created for a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I encourage you, if, if you've never asked Christ to come into your heart, uh, today's the day. 
Grab one of the pastors in the back. Come up. I'll be happy to pray with you. Grab somebody that you came with and just ask them to pray and ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. Amen. Lord, I just thank you so much for your love for us, Lord. I thank you for your willingness to, to send your son to die on the cross that we might be saved. And Lord, I pray that you would just cause there to be an urgency within our hearts as days are growing short. Time is drawing to an end, Lord. And there are people out there that haven't heard the gospel, haven't heard of your willingness to forgive, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Those things that were spoken today that are from you, let them just hang and linger in our hearts, Lord. Let us meditate on those things. Bring them back to our remembrance. Those things that are, that are spoken today that are from me, Lord, let it fall to the ground. We just pray that, God, you would have your way with us. We bless your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.